If you are in need of rules, that is a reason for you to take a hard look at your relationship with food and your relationship to your fitness, your body. Like, let's look a little bit deeper. Why do you need rules in your life? Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. This special episode of How Do You Feel is a mailbag episode. You guys have submitted your questions online via social media, we've reviewed them, and now we're going to get them answered on the episode today. This is the second mailbag that we've done, and the most fun part about mailbag episodes is that I get to bring on my husband, Eric, to help me out. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm excited. This episode's going to touch on a lot of different types of questions. I think we're going to start with some fitness questions, hopefully answer some wellness questions, some nutrition questions, and sort of see where it takes us. So I think the best starting point would be to answer Julie's question, which is asking about you and your fitness goals. She asked, what are your fitness goals right now? Are you focused on getting stronger, hitting some PRs, or is it something different? For me right now, I'm focusing on strength. I've been working specifically on trap bar deadlift and bench press a lot lately. I think it's really important overall to focus on functional strength that's going to translate to you doing your daily life better with better function, better movement, and pain-free. I think working towards goals in general is so important because it informs everything that you're doing in the gym. If you're just going in the gym and doing work aimlessly, Often it doesn't have a purpose behind it, right? Like there's nothing that's that's driving that. So in general, I think having goals is so important. My big goals in the gym are to gain strength and to balance out some of my weaknesses. So I used to have really rounded forward shoulders. So I'm always working on shoulder health. I'm working on getting my scap into retraction because they like to live in a protracted place. So just trying to balance out different parts of my body, but always big strength goals. I'm also just in general thinking about fitness as much as possible in a sustainable way. So how does it fit into my lifestyle in a sustainable way, in a way that makes me feel really good okay well follow-up question to that then do you follow a program is it a program you write yourself or somebody else write a program for you i do follow a program which i also think is so important because it's challenging to walk into the gym and have no plan i think it leads to a big lack of motivation and also you end up doing the same things over and over and over again which isn't necessarily good for your overall fitness, right? Often the things that we need to work on are the things that we don't want to work on because they're the things that are hardest to work on. So I have someone that does my programming for me, which I love because it teaches me new exercises in the gym. It expands me away from the things that I know I can do that I always do. My program is a four-day program. We run it with the whole all-day fit team. So the team of coaches is all in this same program. 
which is really fun because it's great to have accountability partners as well. People to bounce ideas off of, see, you know, what weight did you do here? How did you set this one up in the gym? That kind of thing is really nice. It's a four day program. So I pretty much always do strength workouts four times a week. And then I might throw in another random workout in there to get a fifth in. Okay, so then talking about those, so there's seven days in a week, obviously, and you're talking about five. So Tori asks a question about rest days. So the other, the sixth and the seventh day, would those be your rest days? And if so, do you completely rest? Or is that also something where you move around, yoga, whatever you might do? I used to train six or seven days a week, and I might have one rest day. But even on the rest day, I was probably doing something. I've learned that my body needs a lot more rest than I originally thought. I love to take at least two full rest days, maybe three a week. And sometimes, honestly, if my week is insane and my stress is high, or maybe I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, it might be I train three days and I rest four. So I really am trying to dial in and listen to what my body is telling me that it needs. My body and mind are telling me that it needs. On my rest days, I've made it one of my goals. I still want to move my body in some way. I think that active rest is amazing for your recovery to help you stay in tune with your body, maybe do some mobility work or like you're saying yoga that you wouldn't normally do on training days. Because one thing that happens to me is that once I do my mobility work, my activation, and then I get into all my lifts, and especially if I'm doing big lifts and resting for two to three minutes in between, it can take a long time. Like I can be gone at the gym for an hour and a half, two hours. I don't necessarily have time to do all that extra mobility work and rolling and stuff that might be really good for my body and especially stretching that might be great for my body. I just don't have time to do it if I'm gonna be at the gym for a realistic amount of time. So those rest days are amazing days to do that. I've made it a goal for myself to on my rest days still be doing some kind of body work, doing things that are useful for my body. Yeah, I feel the same way because like for me, I'm, I'm usually on six days a week. So I, I really only have one day to rest. But for me, I like yoga. I think it's very beneficial to me. A lot of athletes use it as a tool for them to improve flexibility, to reduce soreness, plenty of other things. But I think there's no one size fits all way to use this active rest, as you call it. For me lately, my days off I've used to take Molly on a walk. So it's just a simple walk because like you said, I think the worst thing you can do on a rest day is completely take it off and sit around and, and be on the couch all day. While that's beneficial for a certain amount of time, it's not beneficial to do all day because then when you get back in the gym or for me on the field the next day, you're just going to feel sore. All that lactic acid is going to build up and, and you're not going to be prepared to train the next day. I think it's best to try to find out what, what works best for you. But a rest day doesn't necessarily mean do nothing, but just a simple take a walk, try yoga, try all, try all these things and see what works best for you. Yes, we're saying do something on your rest day. <laughs> But overtraining is a huge problem that I see all the time. And I'll get clients that say, it was my rest day, but I just went for a really quick spin class or I just went for a 30 minute jog. To them, yes, it wasn't a strength workout, a really intense workout in the gym, and but 
That's not actually resting. Yes, doing something that's active, but don't take that as you can go do something that's going to be taxing for your body and still sure. call that a rest day just because it's different. Yeah, there's a balance, right? And that's kind of what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. Okay, another quick one on the topic of fitness. Violet was wondering, is, is a Smith machine barbell the same weight as a bar, like a normal barbell? The thing about a Smith machine is that each machine is a little bit different. So it's really challenging to know that. The reason they're all a little bit different is because yes, the bar is there and attached, but there's a certain amount of resistance that exists between the bar and the machine itself that gives you a little bit of extra resistance as you, for example, push out of something like a squat. So my best advice there is if you are using a Smith machine to feel out each one, add weights gradually, ideally, in one given program, you go back to the same Smith machine every time so that you can track your weights appropriately. The one thing I do wanna say about Smith machines though, they're not the most functional way to train something like a squat because they do guide you down and up and have that fixed bar path. It's not actually training you to control the weight and control the bar. For example, in a squat, you may be able to kind of lean up against the bar as you go down and use it as leverage because it's not going to move. That doesn't really translate to real life. So whenever possible, I always prefer to train at something like squats or split squats outside of a Smith machine with a free weight or a freestanding bar. Okay, one more question. This one's from Cassie, the first guest ever. On the How Do You Feel podcast. On the How Do You Feel podcast, Cassie. That's right. So thanks for your question, Cassie. Uh, And this one's a little bit on the coaching side of of fitness. She asked for a new coach starting out, what's one lesson, the biggest lesson, let's call it, that you would pass on to a new coach starting out? Picking one is hard. I can imagine. (laughs) Oh, there were so many things that I wish I could tell myself when I was first a trainer. I think I'll narrow it down to two. The first one is stop paying attention so much and worrying so much about what your client thinks or what other people that are looking at you think. Like stop trying to prove something to those people. I was always really afraid that the workout wasn't going to be interesting enough for them or it wasn't going to be intense enough for them or it was like I was trying so much to prove something to my client and to cater to them so much that I sort of forgot about the fundamentals of fitness that I knew and that I needed to teach the client. So stay true to what you know Take it as a learning opportunity. And when you teach something that you know is true and that you're passionate about, your client will come around to that and they'll see, start to see things that way too. Mm -hmm. I think we try to be flashy to like prove something to the new client. And I remember feeling that way of like, I have to come up with really interesting exercises so they know that I know what I'm talking about. And it's just, that has nothing to do with it. Right. So just stay true to what you know. Yeah. I think that's a, a lesson you can take into a lot of things. The second one is training is not as much about what's going on in the gym as you think. The more that you can get to know your clients, get to know them, their life, understand what motivates them, understand why they do what they do, who they are outside of the gym. Obviously, that translates to then who they are inside the gym. The more you can do that, the more you're going to form a really 
genuine, long-lasting relationship. And in the end, that's what's going to keep them coming back. That's what's going to make them a client for life. It's just less about, like, of course, I love training and I love the fitness stuff. And I love when people get better at exercises and start moving better and it changes their life. Like, yes, but the other stuff and the relationships that you build with your clients are just as, if not more important. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to some nutrition questions because obviously this podcast is about more than just fitness. So it's a similar question to the fitness question, but Grace asks, do you follow a nutrition plan? Is there a reason why or why, why you wouldn't do that? In order to have a healthy relationship with food, it is so important to be able to move away from prescribed rules or a prescribed diet or needing to go gluten-free or dairy-free or whatever it might be. Since I've decided that all foods are okay sometimes and I look at things from a much bigger picture of no, gluten is not going to hurt me. Gluten is just a protein that exists in grains and if I have it once a week or five times a week or whatever, it's not gonna derail all of these healthy habits that I have in place and that I have in my life. So. I purposely don't follow any sort of nutrition plan and I try to dial in to how things make me feel and I make educated decisions but not rigid decisions. I'm not trying to be perfect about what I'm eating and the things that I'm deciding to incorporate into my life. It allows for so much more flexibility. I don't feel restrained from things. Generally, this is the concept of intuitive eating. And I think that if you are in need of rules, that is a reason for you to take a hard look at your relationship with food and your relationship to your fitness, your body. Like, let's look a little bit deeper. Why do you need rules in your life? What is it that you're searching for? So that's sort of the way that I look at it. it has taken me a long time to get to this place and mm -hmm. to feel comfortable in this place because once upon a time, I felt like I did need the rules. Well, if I don't have rules, then I'm going to gain all this weight and my body won't feel good and I'll just eat whatever and things will go to shit. Do you like that, I was holding on to that. Do you think that ha having rules when you initially started helped you to learn how to not have rules and to do these things without those rules? That's such a good question. And it's actually something that I have debated in my mind a lot. Right. Like for me, for example, I feel like I've been on diets, call it diets. I've tried the keto diet. I've tried other things. We talked about this on my podcast, actually. But what it taught me was a lot about nutrition and the way that nutrition affected my body and what each specific thing that I was trying has taught me to now have a more well-rounded idea of how my body is affected by the nutrition I'm having. So it's sort of why I'm trying to touch on that. I don't, like I said, I think it's a scary thing to say because as you touched on, rules are, are scary for people and it can create bad habits. It can create... Well, rules feel really safe to people. Sure. Like it feels like it's at like least a guide. I know I'm following these rules so then I don't have to like worry you know, like it's, it's exactly. weird. People use it as right. a safety. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. Yes, there is a lot to be learned from 
let's say tracking your food like i even did it i'm in a nutritional therapy practitioner program right now Mm -hmm. and they had us for one or two days actually track all of our food we were not looking at the typical things that people love to look at when they track their food we weren't looking at calories Mm -hmm. um we were looking at macros a little bit but what we were really looking at was micronutrients Mm. so are we getting enough micronutrients in our daily life and are there any big gaps in that so i learned something from that like what I learned that my zinc, I don't get enough zinc in yeah, my life. A lot sure. of things are enough. Vitamin A, D, like a lot of these things were definitely high enough. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple micronutrients that I know, based on the way I eat, are a little right. bit more challenging for me to get. So now I know that, right? So yes, it provides information. You have to be honest with yourself about, are you coming from a place of disordered eating or not? Right. For me, I was deep into an eating disorder and disordered eating when I was establishing these rules and it was based on fear of my body changing and it led to fears around certain foods. For you, you've generally had a really good relationship with food for your whole life. Sure. So for you, it was a a very different experience and I think that just takes understanding yourself. It's so important to point out that everybody's different, especially when it comes to nutrition. And right there, you can see the differences between you and I and the way that we've gone out about our process and have come to the the point now in our journey that we're at. Mm-hmm. You talked about your journey with an eating disorder on another podcast, and you just touched on it a little bit now. But an interesting question that Tori asks is about your d- eating disorder. Do you still feel like you face challenges that you dealt with during your eating disorder? And if so, what are those challenges you face still today? I was so glad that I got to share my full story of my eating disorder on this podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, definitely go back and listen to that. I think it gives a really good picture of what I've been through and kind of my understanding of people's relationships with food and how wrong things can go. I say now, and I said in that podcast episode, that I don't feel defined by my eating disorder. I actually honestly don't feel those urges to binge eat things. Or if I feel that full feeling, I don't feel like I need to go to the bathroom and purge my food. So in a lot of ways, the actual symptoms of the eating disorder, I don't experience But some of the things about the relationship with my body definitely still come up. Like those are things that I'm always going to be trying to improve my mindset around and I'm always going to be reflecting and, you know, trying to cultivate self-love, but they exist. It's, It's really challenging to live in this society and not have those things come up. So one of the biggest things that I'm working on is continuing to not need to make up for things that I've done like it's um, it's such a difficult thing because even someone like me who doesn't necessarily have a bad relationship with food or or can I can honestly say I I never really have even I at times feel like I have a cheat day if you want to call it that and I hate that word yeah exactly I know that (laughs) and then I feel like especially as an athlete I need to get back in the gym I need to cleanse that from my system whereas that's not necessarily the best way to look at it at all and oftentimes is not even true yeah for sure so, i think that a so lot i think there's a lot of people that 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 face that challenge that think that and I'm, I'm sure are continuing their own journey as you and i are of trying to to mitigate that mindset mm-hmm. and, and to just take it in stride and, and move on to the next day 
Like sometimes I'm really good at it. We went and got pupusas last night, which tell everyone what pupusas are. Pupusas are <laughs> mostly Central American. Latin food is all pretty similar. It's all flour, meat, cheese, beans, things like that. But pupusas are specific to Central America, El Salvador, which I have roots in. Uh, and His dad's from El Salvador. My dad was born and raised. Anyway, so we grew up having these as kids. So Casey took me yesterday to a place she had heard about. And they're just these flour tortillas with inside of it. There's different variations of cheese, meat, beans. If you've never had them and you, and you happen upon them one time, give them a try. They're fantastic. Somebody even like Casey who has zero El Salvadorian <laughs> and her loves them. And, uh, they're so good. So we went and we had them. And, you know, that was all we ate for dinner. I didn't eat one green thing last night. But I like genuinely felt so good about it we were with friends and it was just such a fun experience because i know it's so closely tied to your roots and your childhood and experiencing that with you was so fun today i woke up and i did nothing different in my day Mm. i felt no guilt for that whatsoever i went to bed feeling great about it i think that that says a lot once upon a time there's no way i'm doing that like i would have been so guilty and like having to make up for it and i would probably would have made some comments to you about like well we have pupusas last night so i don't know (laughs) no i think i'll two things one i'll be the first to say it's incredible i've watched you on this journey and to see you evolve and to sort of get into this place is amazing and to touch on what we talked about earlier i also had pupusas last night and i woke up and got my ass in the gym so We, we both have ways to go on our journey. That's one I still need to work on, but, you know, we're not perfect. So talking on the concept of rules, because we've touched about it with nutrition a little bit, we got a question asking about the frequency of eating out. So, like, do you have an idea in your head of how much you feel like you can go to go eat out, or do you like the idea that you don't have any rules? Do you feel like that's a bad way to look at it? It's so interesting. I was just thinking about this this morning because I just realized as I stopped by the grocery store and was grabbing some stuff to make lunch, I realized how little I eat out anymore. It's interesting. It's just naturally kind of fallen away from my habits. It's not something I've set rules on, but it just because I have so much more of a connection to my food and I really feel connected to what I want to eat and how I want to prepare it and what's going to make me feel good. I like genuinely don't really have that desire much anymore. But as far as talking about going out to eat for dinner, the thing about restaurant food, and I'm sure you know this because you heard me talk about it, you don't know where it's sourced from. You don't know what oils they're using. You don't know how they're preparing that food. There are many things. You don't know what sugars are in the sauces. You don't know what additives are in the sauces. Like there's so many things that you don't have control over. Going out to eat at a restaurant is an amazing experience. And I love it. I love trying things prepared by professional chefs and being there on a date with you or with friends or whatever. Like the experience I love and it's fun and you try different cuisines. But... It's not something that if you are trying to be really connected to your nutrition and your food, it's not something that you want to be doing multiple times a week. So do you have an answer, a strict answer or somewhat loose answer in terms of what you would recommend to people as an amount of times? Or do you just think it's something that you you have to feel out yourself? Like as you just said it's not something you should be doing multiple times a week so do you think just one time a week do you think a few times a week obviously it it makes a difference on where you're going to eat out but at the same time like no actually sure because 
again you don't know exactly what they're cooking with yeah i think sometimes we assume like oh well i went and i made a really healthy choice or it was actually really healthy but i think we make those excuses for ourselves but guys like out is out sure you're right there's no this place to go eat i know for sure but it's an interesting question i think it's one that you should everybody should sort of feel out but at the same time as a rule of thumb you should never think wherever you're going is going to be perfect and the control you have over cooking is always going to be the right answer the atmosphere the closeness with your date with the friends and things like that can't be taken for granted and you should never feel like i can't do this for that so i really hesitate to give a hard and fast number i hate hard and fast numbers for me it's zoom out look overall at your lifestyle does your lifestyle include whining and dining with friends often is that a major part of what you're doing and how you're indulging if you're unable to make a good really good healthy satisfying meal at home and feel great about that that it's something to look at and try to cut back on. what we can say pretty positively is we're we're at about once a week yeah max, max so really yeah. that's just where we are you talked about these different places and and how they cook their food when i'm cooking at home what are the right oils they should be cooking with what are the bad oils they shouldn't be cooking with there are different classifications um, of oils that you want to be using in your cooking and that you actually want to be heating so oils that you always want to avoid are your vegetable oils your canola oils cottonseed oils Those are ones that can go rancid very easily. They're heavily processed. They're gonna be very oxidative in your body. So those are ones that you never want to use in your cooking, just like avoid at all costs. There are others that are fine to incorporate in things where you're not cooking with really high heat. So olive oil is actually one of those. I used to cook with it all the time, but I've since learned it doesn't have a really high smoke point. So that's one that's awesome in dressings and things, but maybe not to be cooking with on your hottest skillet. Another one of those is sesame oil. Then your oils that are great for cooking are your avocado oils and your coconut oils. Those ones are gonna be safe at really high temperatures. That's been a journey too, because it wasn't so long ago that we, we started with canola oil, moved on to olive oil, like you said, and now there's a large incorporation of different oils for different times. And mm-hmm. Oh, the other one, um, I don't wanna forget this, is butters and animal fats are actually great to cook in as long as they are sourced really, really well. So we've started using grass-fed butter more mm-hmm. in our diet, and that is one of the most nutrient-dense foods that you can eat. It's amazing for you. It helps you absorb fat-soluble vitamins. It's awesome so that's also a great thing to be cooking with when she started cooking with that i was very happy because i love butter i think a lot of people out there love butter and it's something that you can really enjoy and at the same time feel good about Mm -hmm. okay one quick question on the topic of wellness hormones something i know nothing about what can i do for adrenal health mary asks i don't even know what that means So your adrenals are a gland, your adrenal gland, that excretes things like adrenaline and cortisol. These are your stress hormones. So Mm. these are the things that are supposed to ramp you up during the day. Throughout our day, we're supposed to have a cortisol curve in which cortisol rises during the day and then falls off and is low at night. 
What happens is if you're constantly chronically stressed, your adrenals are going to start releasing cortisol all the time. And those receptors that are getting the cortisol all the time are going to start to downregulate or desensitize against that cortisol. Once that happens, we refer to that as being in adrenal fatigue, or some people say that their adrenals are shot, they're overworked, something like that. This is something that I experienced personally and worked with a naturopath on. There are supplements that you can take to support your adrenals. Often, if you have an adrenal issue going on, there's also something going on with your thyroid because those two are very closely linked, those two hormonal systems. But you can take some things to support your adrenals. I recommend working with a naturopath to do that. Other than that, great things to do. Focus on your nutrition for sure. Trying to cut back on things like sugar, things that are stimulating. So sugar, cutting back on alcohol, caffeine, things like that. And then you're going to need to take a hard look at your life and think about stress management. If your adrenals are fatigued, you are too stressed. Take a look at your training routine. You may want to cut back on your training routine a little bit, switch to things that are a bit lower intensity. Strength training is actually a great thing for adrenal fatigue as opposed to other things like spinning or HIIT workouts or boxing or things like that. Strength training can be a great alternative as well as things like yoga, Pilates, other bodywork modalities. Okay, let's finish the last couple questions talking about some relationship questions. Oh, that's exciting. So Julie asked, where did you guys meet? Are you dating or married? What's your story? So we are married. We were married in December of 2016. Nailed it. And so we're coming uh, on our three-year anniversary. We are. It's been what a- are we going to do for our anniversary? We'll see. <laughs> the no la- promises. The last couple of years we've gone to... Florida. Florida. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. She has the key. We like to usually get to the sun, get somewhere we can have a nice dinner and uh, just celebrate our relationship. But... We met at Indiana University in 2011. Yeah. And both of our freshman year, we were in the same dorm. I played soccer. We were in a dorm that was all boys on one floor and all girls on another floor. So it was always exciting when the boys came around to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And this is exactly what I was doing at the time we met. I was bouncing around different floors just trying to get the word out about the game coming up, pass some schedules out, and just hope that some pretty girls would come to the games. And I happened upon a pretty girl, and the rest is history. So The best thing was that first time. So at the beginning of their soccer games, all the players used to get a ball that they would get to, if they were starting, they would get a ball in the field, and then they would get to run up to the stands, and they could like throw the ball either into the stands or to someone. And that first time that Eric threw me a ball, I felt so cool. <laughs> My mom was like, who the hell is that blonde girl that you gave the ball to? Why didn't you give it to me? <laughs> and now she knows. On the same topic of our relationship. Uh, what was our first date? Our first date, we went to a hibachi grill. Is that what you call it? Like a Mongolian no. barbecue? Yeah, it was a Mongolian barbecue. Yeah, where yeah, you go, they pick out all your meats and veggies and things like that, and they cook it for you in front of you, and then you eat. So I remember that. I didn't remember what we talked about, although I remember that being super fancy for Bloomington. Like yeah. Anything above Chipotle or pizza basically is like super fancy so you know, this was a really nice date exactly i was gonna say you know i liked her because 
we didn't go to like Jimmy John's or Chipotle, which is things that we both frequented and were splurging at the time. So yeah, yeah, it's one that we'll always remember, and it was a fun time, and it was about as good as we could do in Bloomington at the time. Okay, last final relationship question, then we're gonna hit a lightning round to put you in the hot seat. So the question is, what are our favorite things to do as a couple? How about you say one and I'll say one. One? You want more? We can't bore everybody with all the things we do. One thing I love that we do as a couple is now that we have Molly, I love that we spend time outside with her. I don't know, those couple of times this summer that we just like put a blanket out at the park and just kind of hung out, maybe had a beer, or we went out to Aurora the other day and did an off-leash hike for a morning. Those times, I just love being out in nature. I love being with you. I love Molly. So those are my favorite times in the whole world. It gives us it gives us an awesome excuse to get outside. I agree. It's an it's an awesome thing that we get to do together, and it's something that we really enjoy. I'm gonna pick something at the opposite end of the spectrum since you're picking active and outside. I'll pick just after dinner, we clean up and then go downstairs and and just watch shows and watch shows at a much slower pace than I'd want to because Casey watches one a night and goes to sleep. But he doesn't love that. (laughs) It's the the one time. I'm prioritizing my sleep, people. Sorry. For sure. (laughs) But it's the one time that we sort of get together to spend it without any worries, without any chaos and just sort of close up the day, put our mind on something else and just get to relax so it's important to have those rituals for, for sure. sure okay quick fire round oh boy and then we'll finish up thank you again to everybody who asked a question uh they were really good questions i hope you guys learned a lot from them casey are you ready ready as i'll ever be <laughs> okay i'm gonna start with an easy one and end with a hard one okay first one what's your favorite movie ever favorite movie ever a few good men what a classic. That just tells the audience you know your movies. Okay, if you haven't seen that, please go watch that. Number two, what's your favorite exercise to do in the gym? I have to pick one. I feel like... Well, it's quick fire, so you're already failing. All so right. hit us. <laughs> Single leg deadlifts. Love it. Single leg exercises are fantastic. Number three, what's your favorite podcast to listen to besides your own? I'll let you have an answer of three if you want to, but... You got you to gotta help the listeners tell them where Cur- you're getting inspiration. Okay. Well, I have to go currently. Yeah, currently. Joe Rogan podcast, I'm always a massive fan of. I think he's amazing at what he does. And he gets on the most fascinating guests. I like really respect his interviewing. I think he's amazing. So Joe Rogan. Yep. The Sex with Dr. Jess podcast, I've been loving. She was a guest on my podcast two weeks ago. And she rocks. Her podcast is so fun. She does every episode with her husband. Kinda Love it. Cool. Yeah. And the Fill Your Cup podcast. I also had the host of that podcast on the show, Rachel Melinda. She's an intuitive eating coach. She's all about food freedom. So go check that one out too. Next question. What's your favorite meal of the day? For me, it's breakfast. I know. <laughs> Dinner. Because I make the most exciting stuff. I have time to be in the kitchen, so it's got to be dinner. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, the hardest question of all of them, and I don't even know the answer to this one. Puppies or kittens? Oh, no, he's asking (laughs) me to choose between my children. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm saying I get to drop you into a room of puppies, or I get to drop you in a room of kittens. Which ones do you rather? Oh, shit. Yeah, that's a tough one. 
I feel like I'm choosing between Mila and Molly right now, and it feels so wrong. You're not. Puppies. They're just so playful and happy. So are kittens, though. They are, but sometimes they're just like, kind of they're on their own and <laughs> doing whatever they want. A tiny part of my heart just felt sad saying that. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. It's been a blast. Bye. See you guys soon. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted questions to the episode this week. I think it made for a really fun and interesting conversation, so we appreciate you all. We are going to do the draw for our winner of the prize. Okay, so I'm going to draw out of a hat live here on the podcast. This is very exciting. Very exciting. Tension's building. So the, the winner is Kate Thomas. Kate Thomas, claim your prize. So Kate, if you shoot me a DM on Instagram with your address, then I will get those sent out to you. Thank you so much to JLab for providing this giveaway for us for the podcast this week. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? Make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We release a new one every Monday morning. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on CastBox, through the podcast website. There are lots of options. And we really appreciate all ratings and reviews. They go a long way. I hope that everyone has an amazing week this week. Make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.